Fathers, we, uh, as we crack open your word this morning, we want you to, to crack open our hearts. We want you to uh, invade and do the surgery that we need. Um, even if it hurts a little bit, uh, we want to leave here healthier. We want to leave here ready for life. And so we ask that you would prepare us for it by your word. And we ask that your spirit would uh, minister to us, Lord, and, and help us to have the uh, ears to hear your truth this morning. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, happy St. Patty's Day. I've already been called out numerous times for not wearing green, so enough. No. Uh, well, I got something green right here. I don't know if this counts. But I wanted to, I wanted to start by maybe asking a couple people to let me know if they think this is real. It says 10. It's green-ish. It's got, it's got Tommy J on the front. Oh, who's the guy over there? Hamilton over there. Okay. Smiling at you, kind of smirking. All right. Is this real? Okay. Does anyone want to touch it to see? Maybe smell it if you're a connoisseur. What are you, a banker? <laughs> Your vote is yes. Anybody else want to see if it's real? If you can keep it? Well, I'm not. No way. I'm a preacher. I'm not a prosperity preacher. This, <laughs> this is cereal for my kids for a week. I wish that was an exaggeration. Um, if, I were to, if I were to pass this around and you were to take it seriously, you might do like Brandon did and hold it up to the light. Or, you know, there's different little seals and little metallic looking things. There's a strip inside that they put in there. Uh, th- this is real. This is real. Um, there's marks of ident- you know, that you can use to identify its authenticity. And Matthew, one of his main missions, as he's, as he's writing this, he's, he's tracking the ministry of Jesus. Jesus taught a lot of things. Jesus said a lot of things. But Matthew's picking certain things to strike home the same theme throughout. Okay? And one of those main themes, obviously overarching, Jesus is, as, as uh, Mike pointed out to us, Jesus is the real deal. He's the real thing. But that also means that when he calls people to follow him, he calls real disciples to follow him. And there's real disciples and counterfeit disciples. Just like you can have fake money. Some of it you know, has Mickey Mouse in the middle and it's, it's Disney dollars. And you're like, that's, that's not even a counterfeit. That's just, a, you know, that's toy money. And some people actually try to cut it the right way, give it the right feel, use the right materials. And they try to pass something as counterfeit. And so we have these little pens that you put on there. And if it turns a certain color, you know, that's another little test you give it. Some money's not even counterfeit money. It's just money that's real money, just not in this government. In some other kingdom or in some other nation it works, but in this government it doesn't work. And what Jesus is saying is, uh, I'm the king of a kingdom. And in this kingdom there are citizens. And there are people that are not even interested in being citizens. And then there's also people that want to be citizens but can't be. And there's people that think they're citizens and they're really not. And then there's real citizens. So you remember a few weeks ago, Jesus had that story of the, the parable of the, of the sower who had the seeds in his bag and he threw the seed out. There's nothing wrong with the seed. It was the word of God. There's nothing wrong with that. And as the seed goes out, as the word of God goes out, people respond to it differently. So some people, it bounces right off like seed that lands on the concrete and birds just come and grab it. And there was nothing there to happen. And so, you know, people like that in your life, they're not even they're not trying to be Christian. They're not interested in going to church. They don't want to try to even look like they're Christian because they could care less about Christianity. 
And so they don't even want the kingdom. They, they're not looking for it. Then other people, they're looking for it. They want some of this, okay? But, but it doesn't quite happen for them. The, roots, the root doesn't really dig down deep enough. And because there's no root, uh, as soon as life gets tough for the Christian, they, they bail. Then other people, they, their roots take a little bit, but as they start growing up, they grow up around thorns. You remember that? And the thorns choke out that plant. And Jesus explained it. He said, that's, that's like when you, you want to live for Jesus, but you start realizing that the world has a lot of problems. And you're going to have a lot of problems. Sometimes your bills aren't going to be met, or you're wrestling with your job at work, or you have hit a midlife crisis, or your marriage is struggling, or whatever their struggles are in life. Also, the deceitfulness of riches. You know, you, 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 oh, this world revolves around money, and, and that, just, that just really pulls people away from the, from the gospel, from what really counts, from focusing on the kingdom. And what does it do? It chokes them out, and they don't make it. And there's a fourth kind of soil. It's good soil, and it, the, the seed takes root, and it grows and produces fruit. And so Jesus is wanting us to realize there's fake kinds, there's not even close kinds, there's kinds that look like it but aren't the real deal, and then there's real genuine article Christians and Jesus uses story after story to help us see what that Christian looks like so how does Jesus describe the Christian in different passages he uses different things but in this one he he uses two really short parables I think the short some of the shortest parables we'll ever see in, in the New Testament puts them back to back and that's in Matthew chapter 13 what does the authentic believer look like if you leave these doors and, and you're a believer, you follow Jesus, he's your king, you're in the kingdom, what does your life look like? What does the real Christian, how does the real Christian live? Well, Matthew 13, uh, verse 44, is one parable. One verse, one parable. And Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Matthew 13, 44. Okay, so he, 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 like all these parables in a row, he's saying, this is what the kingdom is like. This is what it's like. There's a field, and a man is at the field. He's checking it out. He's thinking about purchasing it. Who knows? Details really don't matter that much. The point is he finds a treasure. It's hidden. You know, we don't know how he found it. Maybe he's checking the soil and his shovel hits something metallic and he digs it up a little bit and he finds something that, that not everyone finds. Finds something that is not obvious to everyone. But he stumbled upon it. And he opens this thing and it's, it's treasure. Use your imagination. Jewels, you know, crowns in there. Like, like just a, a chest full of very valuable things. And so he puts it back in the ground, he, he leaves it there, and then he goes and buys the field. Now, if he reports it and says, hey, there's a treasure in there, I don't know if you knew it was there, can I get that? Whoever owns the field is going to be like, oh, no, I didn't know that was there, let me get that. So he wants to purchase the field, not so that he has the field. He goes home and his wife is like, I didn't know you were into real estate. I'm not. I'm not into real estate. I'm into what's in the real estate. But, you know, there's something buried there. So he goes in to the owner of the field and he says, I want to purchase this whole thing. Well, here's what's going to cost, whatever the price is. Okay? Now, this person doesn't have the money to purchase that field. But he wants that treasure that's hidden in the field. So he goes home and he looks at what he has. He doesn't have a lot. 
that doesn't have a lot of belongings. But he started going through all his stuff and he said, what if I sell a third of my stuff? Could I purchase that field and get that treasure? And he starts calculating, this is what this is worth. Maybe he's checking ancient Israel version of eBay, you know, like what is stuff going for on, on Craigslist or whatever, you know. And he's trying to see, okay, and he tabulates about a third of his stuff. I mean, man, that's going to hurt. I already don't have a lot. I'm already a poor guy. So selling a third of my stuff, that's like we're going to go without food for a little while. And, you know, when people come over, there's no furniture to sit on. Let's all sit on the floor. There's no pillows. There's no table. I'm sorry. We're going to go on bread for a while. We don't have fancy fish. We just, we just have bread. I'm sorry. You know, a third of his stuff gone from his pantry, his fridge, his living room. A third of it gone. Doesn't even come close. So he goes back. What if, what if I do half? What if I sell half of all my stuff? Doesn't work. That's not enough. The only way he can purchase this field to get that treasure is if he sold everything. That's what Jesus said. He goes back, sells everything he had to purchase that field. This man sold his furniture, his, everything in his closet. Not a closet where when you open it, there's a bunch of empty hangers. The hangers had to go because he needed those $3. Everything is gone. Can this carpet be reused? This hardwood flooring, can we neatly pull it up and sell it to someone else and we'll just live on plywood? You know, I mean, it, that radical. He sold everything he had that was worth anything. He sold it. And Jesus is saying, this is what it's like to be in the kingdom of heaven. Th- this is what it's like. There's no casual entrance. You don't enter into the kingdom like, eh, you know, hey, one foot in, one foot out, you know? You don't come into the kingdom like, I'll check it out for a while and uh, we'll see. It's like you found something and you'll do everything it takes. You'll give up everything to have it. And Jesus is saying, this is what it's like when a citizen becomes a citizen of the kingdom. They're not doing it half-heartedly. They're not doing it because it's, just, it's a fun thing to do. It's not a fad. You don't sell everything you have for something you're going to enjoy for a couple weeks. He, he staked everything on getting that field. He sold everything he had. And what, you know, what blows my mind is, I mean, when Jesus tells the story, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found, covered up, then in his joy goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. So, To take it one step further, this man is not buying the field like, oh my goodness, I met with my accountant and this is really a bad move, but I'm just going to try it. Let's just see what happens. I mean, he's excited. He's joyful about it. He's gladly tearing up his floors and emptying out his closet and giving away his horses and his camels or whatever he has. He's gladly cleaning out his pantry and just selling everything he can possibly sell. He's gladly doing it. Because even though that hurts, the, the, the reward outweighs it. I mean, he's saying this is, that treasure in the field will buy me three pantries. That, that treasure in the field will, will do so much more for me than what I have. And so it's worth it to sell everything. As painful as that is, it's worth it to, to give up everything to chase that prize in the field. And he does it with passion. He does it with joy. And Jesus is saying, you want to know what the real Christian looks like? That's the real Christian. And as I was preparing this message, I thought, man, if we were to go around and just ask 
people that we know that are not Christian and ask them, give us a profile of a Christian, a profile of a typical Christian. They're going to say, man, they get real angry when it comes to certain political views. They get real hot and they get real heated. Or, you know, Christians really love to keep to themselves. They, they go to church and they huddle. And actually, I don't even know who's Christian in my office because I wouldn't know. But what would their description be? Would their description be, oh, my goodness, it's all the person thinks about, talks about. He gives up everything to poss- that he, he does everything he can possibly do to live it the right way, to do, to pursue Jesus. I mean, he, I never met someone so passionate in my life. I wish I had a passion like that. I wish I had a passion inside of me for something like this person has for Jesus. And Jesus is saying that that's what the script, that's the profile. That's what the description looks like. He gives us one more parable in the next verse. It's uh, 45, verse 45 and 46. Almost the same, but he uses it to reinforce. Verse 45, he says, again, and he's saying again because he said these back to back. You know, the guy that found the treasure in the field. And then again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. A merchant in search of fine pearls. Who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. So this is someone who deals in pearls, deals in maybe he, you know, owns a boat and they go and rake the bottom of the Red Sea for oysters. You know, I mean, this guy, that's what he does. And in his business, he gets these pearls. And and, uh, according to my research, a a pearl of, you know, of great value would be something like millions of dollars. I mean, this is not, uh, you know, put on a ring and go buy it at a pawn shop. For them, this was a lot of money. And so uh, he comes across this one pearl that is, that is so beautiful, so, I'm not, I should have done more research on pearls, you know, so round, so, <laughs> I don't know, so pure white, I don't know, what makes a good pearl, you know. But, but they opened up this particular monstrous oyster and, and they see this, this pearl that just makes their jaws drop open even though they've seen pearls and pearls and pearls, you know. And this merchant goes, whoa, I'm not selling this one. In fact, or I, I'm not going to, I have to give up everything I own to buy this from my own company so I can keep this thing. Okay? Uh, the details, not important. Jesus doesn't go into now. He was married and it was a complication with his wife. They had to figure this out. They had to sign a, you know, no. The point is, he gave up everything to purchase the one pearl. Now that might sound crazy. Why would you do that? Flip it for more money and you could get more pearls. Maybe you'll find another pearl like that. Even if it's not, you know, or whatever. It's supposed to sound crazy. It's supposed to sound crazy. Who would sell everything they have for a treasure in the field? Or who, 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 would, who would give up everything they have for this little round white ball? You know? If you find something that's worth everything to you, you'll give up everything to have it. And what Jesus is saying is when you find the kingdom and you have the ears to hear and the eyes to see what it really is, you will give up everything. You will be willing to sacrifice everything for it. It wasn't that long ago when when he was just teaching them, wasn't he? That he was saying, you might have to give up your mom, your dad. You might have to give up your good relationship with your brother and your sister. I mean, he says, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. And so when someone enters the kingdom, they're automatically at odds with people that aren't in the kingdom. I mean, you love them and you talk to them, but it, it might be some awkward family reunions for a while. 
I mean, it might make your marriage awkward. One of them is pursuing Christ and the other one is like getting choked out by thorns and, and that's going to be difficult. But it's, you know what, it might, it might make my marriage difficult. It might make my parenting difficult. I came to Christ late in the game and the kids are like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? And suddenly parenting becomes a challenge. Uh, your co-workers at work are like, whoa, you know, you used to hang out with us and do all these things. Now you're too good? Now you're too good for us? You know? All of those things, I'm willing to sacrifice them to pursue this thing that matters most. I mean, nothing else even comes close. There's no second or third place. I'm willing to give up everything for that prize, which is the kingdom. And when you enter into the kingdom, you you realize how worthless everything else really is. And so the Christian life is defined by this radical uh, willingness to sacrifice all things. It's an all-in mentality. And I think, I think there's something to this. When we look at, we mentioned this last week, when we look at other countries and how Christianity is exploding in those countries, and we look at our own and how it's dying, and we look at England and Europe, how it's already dead, what, what's happening there? Well, we've become so, such smart scientists, we don't need the Bible anymore. We have so much money. We're not desperate. We're not broken. Oh, my car is broken down and my wife and I have to share a car. Ah. What about people that don't have cars? You know, it's like, oh, my goodness. You know, I'm like, oh, this is a cereal for a week. What about parents that can't feed their kids cereal? You know what I mean? So we, we have so much. It's easy for us to have a, a dampened uh, experience of the Christian life. When that's not the, the real thing, the real thing is radical. That we're able to give it up. Now notice Jesus doesn't say to be a Christian you have to give everything up. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is like someone who is sacrificing everything to have that thing. Right? So he's not saying go and sell all your stuff and then you can be a Christian. He's saying the Christian is someone who is like a person willing to give up everything for the kingdom. And so he puts these two par- parables back to back to show us this radical nature. Jesus did this often. Jesus did this often. John 6, he turns around all these crowds and goes, whoa, 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 hey, hey, you know, you could do this test on, on your Facebook if you want. Do the, G, do the John 6 test. I think it's John 6. He turns around and he tells them, hey, all you guys following me around and stuff like that, I know what you're really following me around for. You don't want the, you, you just want miracles and stuff. Let me tell you something. And then he gives them a real hard teaching that they don't really understand and they have to go home with their tails between their legs. I'm like, I'm just really confused. And he says, you need to eat my body and drink my, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to do that? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get chopped up into pieces. You're going to eat it. and You're going to drink my blood. Are you ready to do that? And they're like, oh, you know, I thought he was going to pull a bird out of his hat. I don't know what that, well, I'm going home, you know. They were there for, like, magic. They were there for, oh, I heard he walked on water. I heard he resurrected people. I heard he, like, healed people, you know? And then he tells them, hey, this is, I'm going to die, and you need to eat it. Because you should die. And because you should die, now I have to die. Well, I don't like that part. Well, then go home. That, that's what he said. And the reason why I say it's a Facebook test, don't do this. But if you were to go on Facebook and look, all my Facebook friends, Right? I'm sick of your posts, your little, your little cute memes with a cat and your little catchy phrases on it, you know, and what you're doing today and what you bought at the grocery store and the little verse that you read this morning that's encouraging you and or what you, you know, how the bears are doing. I don't care. 
I don't care about your post. I don't care about your day. And then see how many of them just immediately befriend, you know, defriend you. <laughs> but some of them won't defriend you. Some of them will send you an inbox and say, hey, did I hurt you? What, what is this about? What's going on here? Those are your friends. Everyone else just hit confirm friend when you sent it or whatever. But as soon as things get tough, they'll bail. But the people that hang around and go, whoa, 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 I saw you blasting everybody on Facebook. What's going on with that? Those are the people that are in it for real. And so what Jesus is saying is th- there's no such thing as casual Christianity. We made that up. We made that up. They weren't able to be casual. They're getting, you know, this, we're pages away from getting thrown into coliseums and eaten by lions. Sawn in half, torn in two, tie ropes to his arms, tie ropes to his legs, denounce Christ. No, we're, we're pages away from that happening to these people. We made this up. We're Mall of America Christians. You know, we're very comfortable. And so what Jesus is saying is, he's saying, I'm not saying sell everything you have. What I'm saying is, be the kind of person that's willing to go to the extreme for the kingdom. Now, as I'm I'm writing this, as I'm reading this, I thought, I thought, most of us us are not like this. Um, And I thought of a, a student Last year, I had a student at Moody, and in the beginning, in the first day of class, I asked him, why are you here? Why are you here at Moody? You know, I just want to know what, what you feel your calling is. Why are, we, why are you even in this class? You know, and, and explain it to me. And when I remember one of the students said, I want to be a church planner. I want to plant churches, and, you know, I really feel like God is calling me to ministry and stuff. Like that. That's great. Real tall kid. And I call them kids now. Does that mean I'm getting old? Like, I feel like I was just there a couple years ago, and I'm like, hey, I had these kids in class today. Anyway, real tall guy. And, uh, you know, first assignment, he hands it in late. Second assignment, he gets it in on time, but it's sloppy. Like, there's no punctuations in it. It's just, like, hard to read, you know. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I feel like I'm in, like, you know, teaching second grade sometimes. Like, you know, it was a little bit lazy. It was a little bit you know, just thrown together. It didn't do everything that I was asking them to do and, and that kind of thing. And so it got to the point where um, I called him. I, 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 I rang him. I said, hey, uh, this is, you know, Mr. O'Neill from such and such class. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Hey, just want to touch base with you about your assignments. You know, they've been kind of um, not good. <laughs> I remember how I put it. <laughs> I mean, he knew I, I got the red pen, you know, and I'm like, dude, fix this, fix that, you know. But I wanted to know what's going on behind the, the, the stuff that you're, you know, that you're, that you're, that you're giving me. Uh, you seem like a sharp guy. And when he stood up to preach, he was really good. Wait, it's a preaching class, and they all take turns preaching. And he was really good, sharp. And then I'm looking at his homework, and I'm looking at his natural gifting, his talent, you know, and I'm like, what, what? what's the discrepancy here? So I called him and I said, hey, what's going on? And he said, oh, I'm sorry, Professor. I, it's just, you know, I'm on the volleyball team. And he didn't put it this way, but basically I'm really good. And they want me really bad. And I try to quit this year because it's too much. And they said, well, just come to practice. Just come to, um, just, just come to like half the practices or some kind of deal they, they made out. Just, just come to some of the practices. Don't worry, but you don't need to practice anyway, man. You're awesome. You know, and he said, okay, and so I don't have to go as many practices, but then I didn't realize I still have to go to every game. 
you know, and some of the games are away. Half the games are away. So we're away on weekends. I come home. I still have this stuff to do. I said, hold on a second. Remember the first day of class? I asked you, why are you here? You didn't mention volleyball. You said you want God wants you to plant churches. You don't need volleyball to plant churches, man. But you do need to be a responsible person. You're going to get worked hard. Do you think it's easy to plant churches? One of the reasons why I'm not doing it is because it's, it's too hard. No, it's not true. <laughs> Ministry is difficult, however way, whichever way you slice it. I said, listen, there's nothing wrong with volleyball. That's great. Obviously, God has given you another talent there. But that's not why you were here. See, if you came here on a volleyball scholarship and the education was just a side piece and you want to go places with volleyball, that's different. I'd say, you know what? You pass. Don't worry about it. But this is why you're here. You stand up on that first launch service that you have and you give a, a, a sermon that doesn't make sense and it's, you started here but ended up there. People are confused. They're falling asleep. They're not going to come back and then you can't plan a church. These classes are to sharpen you. Right. So I said, pay attention to your calling. And if volleyball is getting in the way of that, even though volleyball is not sin, it's not wrong, it's not bad to play volleyball, but it is bad if it's getting in the way of why you're mainly here. What is Jesus saying? A Christian is the kind of person that is able to cut off and give up everything that gets in the way of the kingdom. Now, it might, it might mean giving up money. It might mean it's different things for different people at different times, I think, but it's this radical commitment. It's this radical commitment. You don't, you're not holding two things in your hand. You're saying mainly kingdom, but, but I need this. And then sometimes this appears, and then, okay, back to the kingdom. It's, it's just this. Everything else is surrounding it, but it's just this. And I'm able and willing to sacrifice anything I need to to make sure this stays my focus, that this stays my passion, that this is what my life revolves around, that my life is centered on the kingdom of Jesus Christ, pursuing him, becoming like Jesus, doing what I can to be like him. Now I thought to myself, how do we know we're that? I mean, we don't live in a place where we're getting thrown into coliseums. We don't live in a place where we're getting, uh, our lives are threatened because we're Christians, typically. We, we don't live in a place like that. So how do we know if we've got what it takes to not deny Jesus and get sawn in half if that's what it came to? How do we know that we have what it takes if for some reason, in some way, God called us to sell everything. That to follow me, to obey me, I want you to sell everything and go to, you know, some uh, foreign island somewhere and go teach them the Bible. I want you to do that. And it's clear. You know for a fact in your heart, you know it. This is what God wants you to do. But in order to facilitate that, you've got to sell everything, leave all your friends, leave your house, sell it to someone else and go. How do you know you would do that? When God's not calling you to do that, does that does the question make sense? I mean, it's easy for us to go, oh, there's Christians around the world that demonstrate this. Clearly, they would give up anything. Or a shooter pops into a school and starts asking kids, denounce Jesus, and they don't, and they get shot. And then after the fact, we know that she had it. How do I know now when I leave these doors? I'm this kind of person. I have this kind of passion. I don't think there's an easy way to answer that unless we're put in that situation. But I, th I think there's a place we can start. Because I think, it may, I think it's logical to say, I'm not ready to give up everything if I'm, not, if I'm not currently now giving up a lot. Am I now living comfortable Christianity? Or do I live Christ till it hurts a little bit? 
Do I, do I get uncomfortable a little bit? So when you see an opportunity to speak to your coworker, your friend, or your neighbor about Christ, and then you don't because you think it's going to be awkward, it's not going to be comfortable, and you don't really want to go there, and so you don't. I think when, if, when I do that, I think to myself, I'm not this kind of Christian. I can't even do that. There wasn't a gun to my head, but I can't pass the gun test if I can't pass the you know, water cooler test. We're at the water cooler, and, and there's a perfect opportunity to say something, and I can't say something. Why? Because weird rumors are going to go around in the office cubicles. And so if I can't pass that test, how can I pass the martyrdom test? So how about our giving? It may be that one day God calls me to give up everything, just give up everything financially and be totally, a, 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 you know, go into total poverty for his sake. I don't know if I'll be able to do that, but I get a hint when, I'm, when I have a hard time giving anything. When I see someone in need and I just have a really hard time, oh, man, I'd have to cancel my Netflix subscription to help that person. Well, if I draw the line there at Netflix... <laughs> I'm not going to do the, the crazy radical thing. How about the time that I devote to church? You know, like if, if church was everything to me, if the kingdom was everything to me, and I don't mean Christian Fellowship Church is everything to you, but Christian Fellowship Church, if it's an expression, a local expression of the universal kingdom, okay, then I'm committed to it. I'm, I'm passionate about it. But, you know, if I go every other Sunday and every time they have prayer, they gather for prayer. Eh, let's just let the prayer warriors do that, you know. Then if, then if the government started pressing down on Christianity, how, how committed am I going to be? When things were good, I wasn't that committed. See, so if we're, if we're not in that, in that emergency mode, it's hard for us to tell if, if we're really capable of surviving the emergency mode unless we're at least being radical at some degree. You know, if at least we're, we're stepping out of Christianity to a, a little bit of an uncomfortable degree, give till it hurts a little bit. You know, um, don't, don't go to church when there's holes in your schedule. Clear the schedule to get to church. There, there's a difference there. You, you, you don't go to growth group when, you know, that person that's your favorite person, you know, you found out, are they going? Okay, then I'll go. You go because you need it. You know, so there's these little fine lines, and little by little, we, we keep pulling back the line and make it easier for ourselves, easier for ourselves, easier for ourselves, till all we have to do is pop in in church Sunday morning, once in a while, just make it regular enough that they don't think you're missing, and just, that's Christianity. And then you read this parable. You read this parable after living a, Christi a life of that kind of Christianity, that brand of bland, stale Christianity, and then you read this, and you're like, I don't know if that's me. I don't know if I have that radical thing inside of me because my life doesn't revolve around the kingdom. The kingdom is kind of just a part of it. And so what Jesus is saying is there's no such thing as a comfortable Christianity. Real believers get it. that Even if it means getting uncomfortable, even if it means stepping out of your comfort zone, if it's for the kingdom, you do it. So those seeds that fell and were, they weren't able to put the roots in the ground because they were surrounded by rocks, right? And they start to try to grow and then they can't. The sun comes out, scorches them, and they die. What is Jesus saying? They weren't ready to give up everything. Because when persecution came, he said the wind and the, the, the sun that scorched the plant was persecution. 
So when persecution came and said, hey, you shouldn't believe the Bible, we're going to threaten you. We're going to take something away from you or do something to you if you continue to believe that. And so they stopped believing. And so they failed the test because they weren't the hidden treasure in a field type of Christian. They weren't the great pearl sell everything type of Christian. They were like, eh, sell a few things and mm, kind of Christian. And so they didn't make it. Then the other, the type that was, it wasn't rocks in the soil. They were able to put down some root, but as they were sprouting up, the thorns came and choked them. Jesus said those thorns are the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. And so as you start to grow as a Christian, you realize, well, I could do more for the church, but that would wreck my career. My career is how I make money, and I definitely need to make money. Therefore, money is a little bit coming first place to the kingdom, and that's how thorns choke you out. Or I would go to church, but, you know, I I have all these issues. I have all these problems. I'm focusing on all these other things. But kingdom isn't the main thing. The main thing is whatever the new deal is, the, the new drama in my life. That's my new focus. And then when that boils over, then I have a new drama in my life. And that's my focus, and the kingdom comes second. Saying those are the people that get choked out and die. The people that bear fruit, that take root in good soil, are the people that live their lives like this. They're willing, they're able to sacrifice everything if that's what it takes. And what that means is that you're willing to sacrifice a lot. God may not be calling you to sacrifice everything, but some of us just give him the bare minimum to be Christian. Jesus is saying, I'm not concerned with the bare minimum. I'm concerned with such a radically transformed life that everything is me. Everything revolves around me. The time that you spend at home. You spend time in prayer. You crack open the word. You're more in the word than you are into ESPN. Why? Because this is better than sports. This is more than sports. Some of us were so into our teams. Look, you know I'm included in that. We're so into it that it's like, dude, do you work for them? Were you, were you, were, were you on the team at one time? No. <laughs> you know, but you, 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 you live your life so surrounded by You get all the tweet updates on the score and who got traded and everything else. That, 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 that becomes such a focus. It's not wrong. It's not sinful to follow a team. It's not sinful to be on Pinterest for three hours in case the ladies thought I was going to let them off the hook for a second. You know? Like, oh, my goodness, I didn't know you could use that. Flip it inside out and it becomes a napkin. You know, whatever. You know, hey, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's cool. You know, that's cool. I, I told somebody secretly, I hope I don't lose my man card for this. I'm like, it would be cool if it was like a guy version for Pinterest. Call it something else with like a cool font. But just like easy way to fix that leak in the engine or, you know, easy way to turn that toolbox into like a coffee table with a couple hammers and nails. I would love that. I would eat that up because I don't know how to do that stuff. And I could see getting sucked into that vortex of the Internet for hours. And then as soon as that's over, it's the argument with the wife and kids go to bed and blah, blah. And then I'm trying to get some sleep and I can't sleep. Take the sleeping pill, get the aspirin for the headache. Where's prayer? And so what I'm saying is we're so busy and the, the more technological we get with these smartphones, which are sometimes dumb phones, you know, and it's just it, it your life starts getting complicated. This has to connect to a cloud. Now we live under this cloud where. It's our calendars and our music and everything is supposed to make things easier, but it just makes it more complicated. There's all this stuff, and we need to pull away from all that stuff and spend time with the Lord as if he was the gem of our lives, if he was the great pearl, if he was the treasure that we found hidden in a field. It's not hidden because he doesn't want anyone to know it. It's hidden because not everyone's going to stumble upon it. Not everyone's going to realize it's there. Not everyone's going to recognize that that's treasure. Some people, it's like seed on the, on, the, on the ground, the birds just grab it, it bounces right off. But we're people that get it. 
We're people that get that it's all about the kingdom. So I want to ask the worship team uh, to come up. And as we close, um, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know individually, each one of you, how to apply this sermon. I, I think we just have to kind of rake over our own souls and just ask, am I giving like just enough to get by? I don't mean giving financially to the church, although that's great. I mean, we need it to get by. But, but am I giving to the Lord? Am I, am I giving him time? Am I giving him energy? Am I giving him effort that, that stretches me, that makes it it's uncomfortable for me to do it? You all know if you go to the gym and just push a couple weights around and say hi to the trainer and go home, you're not doing anything but giving them a bunch of money. But if you go there and, and lift till it hurts, and then the next day you pick up the orange juice, you're like, ooh, that, you know, that's breaking the stuff down so that the next day it builds and gets bigger. It takes pain to get the gain, like they always say. And it's the same thing spiritually. If there's never any pain, there's never any discomfort, there's never anything radical about your life for Christ. It's always just plain and simple and whatever's the going norm for Christianity and, and current America. It's just, it's not what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about the greatest treasure and the greatest pearl. Um, so as we, as we uh, stand and, and worship, I want us to focus on that and just allow the Lord to challenge you to step it up a notch, to turn the flame up on your passion and your pursuit for him. Uh, let's worship him together.